is our text this morning. Uh, we'll look specifically at verses 8 through 14. This is the very final time, the last time, that we will look at the book of 1 Peter as we conclude our study. Good morning. It is great to see every single one of you. What, a, what an amazing song that is. And I was thinking as much as as much joy as there is to know that through Christ and through the work of Christ, it will be well with your soul. Without Christ in your life, it will never be well with your soul. Do you realize that? And it is because of that that I greet you in the name and upon the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have nothing to tell you myself. Like I got like nothing myself. But this word offers a lot. Um, I, I want to just uh, thank you for your prayers and support for our Guatemala team. An amazing trip. Um, I tell you what, I was impressed. It was a, a big team, and God blessed in amazing ways. Um, but I was really impressed, particularly with the younger ones, the students. We had a, a big number of, of students that went and they are an impressive young bunch. So you moms and dads and grandparents who prayed and supported, you can be very proud. And one of my thoughts were the idea that the, the, the goal, the kingdom goal behind mission trips is that some of these kids end up on the mission field. That's really, that's one of the reasons that we do this. And I could, I could begin to see, and I really believe the Holy Spirit is beginning to work in the hearts and lives of some of these young ones, that one day they may be on the mission field full-time. And praise God for that. I also want to thank my brother Matt for preaching last week um, that he was sensitive to the Spirit's leading um, to address a very difficult subject but a necessary subject. Uh, the blessings of technology, we were able to sit, all 12 guys in one room last, last Sunday night and listen to the message that... that that Matt preached, and I was just so encouraged that it was, um, it was uncompromising truth, and yet it was just, it was just um, completely saturated in grace and in love. And it is so important for us to understand how we minister in this community in the day that God has called us to live in, particularly when it deals with the subject um, and sacredness of, of marriage, exclusively, exclusively designed by God, between one woman and one man for one lifetime. We need to pray. This is a, um, a heavy subject as we conclude our study. Um, it is on the subject of spiritual warfare, and I have certainly sensed um, the weight of that this past week, but we are gracious, and we are uh, grateful to God that he sustains us and gives us strength. Uh, we're going to bow our heads now and ask for his uh, guiding um, and leading. And the Holy Spirit will speak to us through his word uh, that is preached this morning. Um, let's pray together. Father, we come before you and again recognize the fact that we are so unworthy. We are so undeserving of your love and your grace and your mercy. The only thing that we do deserve in and of ourselves is eternal separation. We, we, we deserve the full weight and full extent of, of your wrath. And yet, Lord, in your love, you offered your son to die in our place. And we are grateful for the 
good news of the gospel. I pray, Lord, right now as we examine this subject and we understand the reality of spiritual warfare and how intense the battle is today and how effective the enemy is. Father, we are so grateful that we have um, victory in Jesus and that we can rest in you and, and trust you and have peace in you. I pray, Lord, right now, particularly for individuals that are in the midst of, of battles, uh, Lord, sustain them, uh, direct uh, their eyes towards you, um, stop their ears to the, to, to the lies of this world, the lies of the enemy, and may they hear truth and be freed um, in your time uh, to serve you and to live for your glory. That is our goal. I would ask, Lord, for guidance in, in this moment for me. Guard my lips and mouth uh, and my mind um, so that everything that is done here would be for the furthering of the gospel, will be for the exaltation of the name of Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen. There, there's, there's a little picture I want you to kind of keep in your mind when it comes to uh, spiritual battles and how, how in a sense Satan um, really does battle. Uh, and not to make it too light in any way, but what I, what I think of is really something that takes place pretty frequently this time of the year, summertime. Uh, you spend a lot of time around a, a swimming pool and, and you've probably been there before. I'm not the only one who, who as you have walked along the edge of a, swimming pool, someone has, has, has kind of, what, just, just pushed you. And they don't really have to push you a lot. They don't have to push you right in. They kind of push you enough just so that you kind of lose your balance and you kind of lean that way. And if they push you hard enough, you know you, you're, you're going in. You're going to get wet. Now, what happens instinctively, and this is kind of the way that we're hardwired, if somebody, if somebody pushes you and you're losing balance, you're falling in, inevitably, instinctively, what happens is that you begin to grab anything or anyone that is close to you. If I'm going in, I'm going to grab someone. Now, my personal record, I, I am not afraid to brag on this, three People, I have pulled in at one time, crowded people, they pushed, and I'm clawing, I will grab or scratch anything. I'm going in, and I pulled three people in with me. You know, that idea really is the same image. I think we have to keep in mind when it comes to spiritual battles and the work of Satan. Satan witnessed, and Satan knows from the very moment that Christ cried out, it is finished on the cross. The work is finished. He knows he is going, what? He is damned to hell for eternity. And what he is doing, and he is very powerful, and he is very effective, is that he is grabbing, and he is clawing at, and he is scratching. If, if he goes, he wants to bring as many people with him as possible. That, that's the idea that we have to keep in mind when it comes to spiritual warfare. Well, we know ultimately, if you are in Christ, regardless of how difficult, regardless of the fact you might get a scratch, it is well with your soul. This study concludes um, last time. 
Listen to Matt. He thought we had been in First Peter like a year and a half or something like that. No, it's not been that long. It might seem that long. It's not been that long. We've learned, learned the importance of, of standing, and, and we, we will see, particularly today with the language and, and the, the, the word choice that Peter uses, he uses very strong language here. It's not kind of suggesting. It's not subtle in any way. It's certainly not soft language. Instead, we'll read in just a moment, he, he uses strong words. He uses words like be sober and be watchful and resist. He uses phrases like be firm in your faith and, and stand firm. He uses words not only to deal with, with how we, we live, but it includes how we've got to have a mindset, how we are supposed to think. Remember, our faith is based upon what what we know to be true, the truth of the gospel. We live every day confident and strong in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ultimately, what we know for certain causes us how to live in accordance with the truth of the gospel. Unlike many faiths and religions and beliefs, our, our, our faith is not based on how we feel. It's not based on our emotions because our emotions are constantly up and down. Our faith is not based on sentimentalism or mysticism or experience. Our faith is based on loud and clear truth. You've got to know the truth. I love the way that God speaks in the Psalms. He says this in, in Psalm chapter 32. I, I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And then God says this, don't be as the mule which has no understanding. So it's very important this morning as we dive into this, it's what we have got to know, how we're supposed to think. And we understand with this idea here that this is battle. This is warfare. And, and it's not a stretch. You don't have to, you, most of you grew up with an understanding that's commonplace that people oppose people. You, you visited Gettysburg, I'm sure. A scar, a scar in history of our own country. I, I was born not that far and we visited all the time when we were kids, Valley Forge and, 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 and um, Washington's Crossing at the Delaware, these historic sites that were kind of raised with this understanding that our, our, our na- nation was birthed out of, out of war and out of battle. I grew up with an understanding that my, my grandfather was killed in World War II at the Battle of the Bulge, 1944. My, my mother's brother, my uncle Bobby, was killed in, in Korea at Heartbreak Ridge. I had a cousin killed in Afghanistan in 2012. My dad spent years in the Navy and was in the Cuban Missile Crisis. But this is not new. This is commonplace for a lot of us. Read the news. Just this week, North Korea continues to stare down gun barrels. And ISIS looms everywhere. The entire Middle East is, is volatile and and Russia and, and, and China posture and loom and stare all the time. And so we live in this, this world that is constantly in a sense of warfare and conflict. And behind all of that is this one who looms, Satan who loves to cause destruction. 
There's always this idea when it comes to, to battle, when it, when it comes to warfare, that the enemy thinks that if, if I can surprise you, I can defeat you. And that's, that's common for all of us. We don't plan on getting pushed in, but, but unexpectedly someone pushes us. And so what Peter does in this particular text is he prepares us. He, in a sense, he tears the, the mask off of the enemy and he wants you to know everything about what's going to happen, what, what's taking place here. And we're not talking about just physical battles. We're talking about something far more significant, far more severe. And it's spiritual battles. It's not just bullets and bombs and bloodshed. It's spiritual battles, which war against flesh and soul. Now, we understand that the world, if, if, if the world had the say here, if we listened to the messages of the world, that Satan is, what, somewhat a figment of many people's imagination, that he's not really real. That, that according to much of the messaging, that the world offers to us, that Satan is, is kind of like this, this cute little guy in a red suit and, and he has a pitchfork and horns and he sits on your shoulder and he kind of whispers these innocent temptations. Go ahead. That, that, that is so wrong. That is so far from who Satan really is. He is, he is fierce and he is strong and powerful and destructive and he is on the hunt. And that's the image that we have to hold on to. And that's the image that Peter wants you to understand. Look at our text. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. Very clear on the severity of spiritual warfare. Here's the instruction. Be sober-minded. First and foremost, right out of the gate. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Sylvanius, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. In peace, peace to all of you who are in Christ. Three pieces of instruction that I want to give to you this morning when it comes to the element of how to be firm in our faith and how we win the battles that inevitably we will face. The first one is this. Remember this. You and I need to recognize the enemy. Number one, we recognize the enemy. The instruction from verse eight is be sober-minded. And it adds, be watchful. To be sober-minded means to be self-controlled. It means that there is a responsibility that every single one of us have to live disciplined 
lives, a well-disciplined life, a life that is familiar with the idea of restraints. No, I will not go there. No, I will not do that. No, I will not speak like that. It's familiar. A, a Christian life is to be one that is, that, that is constantly aware and, and, and withholding from the intoxicating allurements that exist in this world. He begins very clearly, be sober-minded, be in control. And then he says, be watchful. He speaks about the importance of, of recognizing the enemy. You need to hear. Don't be fooled by anything that you hear in this world. Don't be blinded. Don't be ignorant. Don't be sleepy. But be watchful. I really feel that as Peter is penning these words, he goes back a little while to a time that he was with the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ used this phrase oftentimes. If you recall in, in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 14, um, right after uh, the, 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 the supper together in the upper room, the night that Jesus Christ was betrayed, um, it says that Jesus took Peter and James and John. They went into the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and as they walked in, they, 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 they paused and, and Jesus said, guys, I want you to stay here and I'm going to go further. And as he left them, he, he said these words, watch and pray. Jesus goes further and, and we know that he prays and he spends time in, in agonos, praying to his heavenly father. And he comes back. And here, here's the exact wording from Mark chapter 14 and verse 37. He begins with this. There's three guys, Peter, James, and John. All of them seem to be asleep. And Jesus begins with this. Peter, are you asleep? And then he says this, could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you do not enter into temptation. Three times in that one verse, Jesus uses this phrase, particularly to Peter, watch, be watchful, stay awake. And I, I can't help to think that as Peter's penning this first letter, that he's thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ saying, be watchful. You and I have got to know what's going on around us. My concern is that as we enter into elements of spiritual battle, that there are many Christians and there are many churches that are being just lulled and dulled into complacency and are asleep. And so as we begin to, to, to learn about this, we, we have got to know what... What does the truth of God's word say? You, you've got to learn about Satan. You, you've got to learn about his tactics. You've got to learn about your own self. You've got to know about your own weaknesses. You've got to examine your own heart. You've got to bring pre people into your own life to share with them your own areas of vulnerability. You've got to know the elements of spiritual truth. You've got to know about the armor of God. You got to know what the Bible says about how we deal with temptation, how we deal with, with spiritual battles, how we have an attitude of vigilance all the time. And the reason that we have got to be vigilant, we've got to be alert, we've got to be awake, we've got to watch. It says this, verse eight says, identifies that there's one, his, his name is Satan and it describes him that he is an adversary. 
It's an interesting word here. It's the word antitikos, adversary. Antitikos, anti, against, dikos, acquittal. There is one who is against your acquittal. Do you know what that means? This has the essence of the gospel and the full extent of the gospel all over it. There is an adversary who is against you being acquitted through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hold with me on this for a moment. What? Romans chapter 3, all have sinned. That's all of you. That's certainly me. All have sinned. All fall short of God's glory. Romans chapter 6 says the wages of sin is death. Every one of us have sinned. Every one of us are deserving of death. Hebrews chapter 9 says what? Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Galatians 5 says Christ has set us free. So although we are deserving of death, there is one who was offered to die in our place, whose perfect blood was shed to rescue us, to redeem us, to set us free, to acquit us. And then there's one who says, I don't like that acquittal. And he he enters and he prowls around, in a sense, opposing your walk. There is an enemy who opposes your relationship with God and he will stop at nothing at attempting to destroy and disrupt it. And he is very good at what he does. Revelation 12 and verse 4 describes that Satan what was, was crafty enough, was cunning enough to lead one third of all of the heavenly hosts of all the angels in rebellion to God. That, that, that's, that's a pretty persuasive individual. It, it says that Satan is one who possesses great beauty. It says that he possesses great intelligence. He has will and emotion. Uh, he has organizational ability. It, it's described in Second Corinthians chapter 11 that he disguises himself as an angel of light. He makes himself look pretty. In, 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 in Genesis chapter 3, when we refer to the fall of man, it says that he disguises himself as a serpent and describes a serpent as one who is more what? Cunning and more crafty than any other beast that is out there. That's, that's, that it's not this big, mean, ugly. This is, this is an individual that is persuasive and powerful and looks pretty and sounds good. It's interesting, when I was writing this message and I, and I write the word Satan, I never will capitalize. He doesn't deserve his, he doesn't deserve a capital S. And I write the word Satan, S-A-T-A-N, and the computer, you know how they, they, they say it's spelled wrong and they make a suggestion and the word they always suggest, do you mean Satan? I'm like, no, I don't mean Satan, I mean Satan. Satin, silky and smooth. No, no that's not what I mean. There's this idea that there's one out here. There is an enemy and he is seeking to destroy and he is effective at destroying lies. At lying. Look, look around. We, school gets started this week, right? You guys are so excited about that. 
Do you realize in our, in our middle schools and our high schools, we have parents and we have teachers that are literally running around and they are scrambling, trying to come up with ideas. How do we get our children to behave? How do we get them from, from stop going to parties or getting drunk or doing drugs? Parents, they're, they're bribing their kids. Please don't do this and I'll give you. What is that? We have, we have what? We have our own government who has established organizations. They refer to them as women's health clinics. Behind that is one who loves and seeks destruction. They have become places literally where babies, babies have been dismembered and parts of their bodies are being sold. It is the very essence of evil. And behind that stress, well, what? The one of destruction, the enemy. We, we look around us all over the place. Prisons continue to be built and are overcrowded. And there is still, there is no clear and proven plan how to rehabilitate a criminal. They're still looking for ideas. There is no plan apart from the transforming gospel of Jesus Christ, homes, families all over the place. Some of you have or are presently suffering as a result of the abuse that exists in homes today. The the dysfunction and the divorce. We have wives that are not being loved by their husbands as Christ loved the church. We have husbands that are falling Pray to the monster of pornography and exist in complete selfishness. And Satan will stop at nothing to stomp out any work of God or the image of God. And he will stop at nothing trying to slander God's people and ruin or thwart God's plan. So, so don't for a moment underestimate, ignore, or deny the fact that Satan is alive and well in this very place on this planet. There's a very descriptive graphic image Peter chooses to use. It says that he prowls around like a roaring lion. The ESV translates it seeking someone. Someone, he's just looking, I, I look for anyone. If I'm going in, he says, I'm going to grab at anyone that I can find and I want them to come in with me. A prowling, hungry lion on the hunts. Described in scripture as the father of lies. And there are lies all over our worlds. The lies of evolution that really demean and deface the value of life. It's a lie. It's not true. The lies of relativism, the lies of humanism and materialism that people are buying, Christians are buying into. If I only had a little bit more stuff, then I'd be happy. No, it's not the way it works. That's a lie from Satan. Lies that are attempting to destroy the the sacredness of marriage. And I'm grateful that Matt preached on that last week. That God has a very clear plan and anything apart from God's perfect plan of one man and one woman for one lifetime is a lie from Satan. It is nothing more. And he will seek to destroy the family. Destroys the sanctity of human life. Lies that push promiscuity on our kids. 
that say that if you behave this way, then, then what? You, you'll be happy in your relationship. No, you won't be. It's a lie. A German preacher and theologian, his name is Helmut, Helmut Thalik or Thalecki. I always pronounce his name wrong. Forgive me. He says this. He speaks in post-war Germany. Think about, think about the destruction that was wrought. He says this. There is a dark mysterious spellbinding figure at work. Behind the temptation stands the tempter. Behind the lie stands the liar. Behind all the dead and bloodshed stands the murderer from the very beginning. And and today he seeks to destroy. Today we have to recognize the enemy. Be real about that. Secondly, we need to resist the enemy. Number two, resist the enemy. And it says to be firm in our faith. Now, first glance, we think, well, this could be kind of hard. Resist. Okay, I resist. I resist you. There's got to be something more to that. You mean I'm going to resist the one who was able to persuade one third of all the heavenly hosts to follow him? And I'm just going to come and say, okay, I resist you. Well, well, there's something more to it. There's a comma, and then it says, resist him firm in your faith. That's the big idea. of That's the driving idea behind this whole text. We have got to be firm in our faith. How are we? How do we display? How do we actually resist him? The secret is found in the story that we told repeatedly over and over and over again last week in Cruz Blanca, Guatemala at Vacation Bible School where we told the story about a little boy whose name was David. And it says in God's word that he killed a lion and he killed a bear. And it says at one particular point that as he's standing before a giant, Goliath, Matt McDermott makes a really good Goliath, by the way. It says that Goliath was over nine feet tall. He had to duck to get through that door. And, and, and David stands before this giant, and he makes this very clear and very bold statement that you and I need to be familiar with. He says this in Second, excuse me, in First Samuel seventeen forty-five. He points up to this giant and he says, "You come to me with a sword and a spear. There's no doubt, dangerous weapons." But then this little shepherd boy says, "But I, but I come to you in the name of the Lord." of hosts. He recognizes where his authority, I come to you in the name of the Lord, Yahweh, of hosts, Sabaoth. I come to you in the name of the Lord who reigns over every heavenly host, over every army that ever existed. I come, I'm doing battle in his name. There's there's this reminder that, doesn't that word Sabaoth? Sound familiar? Remember the old hymn written hundreds of years ago by Martin Luther? It remains one of my favorite. A mighty fortress is our God. I was reading the lyrics of that this week. It it is just saturated with the elements of spiritual warfare. Listen to this. He got it. He got the idea that David got. Every day we do battle. Every day we go and we face the giant that is out there. In the name of the Lord of hosts. Listen to this. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark 
never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. From still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and his power are great and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. (coughs) Excuse me. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he, Lord Sabaoth, his name, from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gift are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. He he got the idea. Martin Luther got the idea that David got, that you and I have got to hold on to today. A woman by the name of Amy Bird, she wrote a book called Theological Fitness, Why We Need a Fighting Faith. We're not out there to pick a fight. We're in a fight. And Amy writes this, and I quote, our perseverance in Christian faith is connected to our theological health. Perseverance of our faith is connected to our theological health. And she quotes Hebrews 10. Listen to this. Excuse me. Hebrews 10.23 gives us great news, she says. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. She continues on. We persevere not because of our own faithfulness, because of He who promised is faithful. Indeed, we see that Christ has already gone before us in the race and he has secured our victory. You see, that's the idea we've got to have every single day. We don't get out of, we don't walk out the door in the morning. We don't get out of bed in the morning without resisting him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. it's, It's going to be tough. There will be moments we're going to have to take our licks. We'll get scratched and bruised at times. But there is this element that, that, that exists of warfare and God gives to us a knowledge that we can have and he also gives to us the weapons that we need. Ephesians chapter 6 speaks about what? What is referred to as the armor of gods. Every day we, we, we armor up for this battle. We pray. We're going to put the helmet of salvation. 
the, the knowing, the understanding. The helmet protects the mind, the heads. We know how secure we are in the salvation is offered by grace through faith in Christ. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. We have our loins girded about with truth and our feet shod by the preparation of the gospel. And we take the, the shield of faith and we take the sword of the spirits. And we head out. We head out to do battle. My dad reminded me all the time, there's nothing covering your back. You ever realize that? Why, you, you, don't, you don't turn and run from your enemy. You turn and run from your enemy. That's when it gets dangerous. You face your enemy and you don't face the enemy in your own strength. You are no match for him, but he is no match for our heavenly father. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. We've got to know and trust and have faith in the work that exists, in the power of God. We abide and rest and we live by the word of God and we trust the spirit of God. I, I, I love the ministry of Tony Evans uh, from Oak Cliff in Dallas. And he was telling the story one time that he and his wife were on a cruise, his wife Phyllis, and they were on a cruise off the coast of, of Alaska. They were heading north. And late at night, they, they sailed right into a really, really massive storm. It was tossing, even a massive ship, it was tossing them. And, and Tony talks about the fact that his wife, Phyllis, was, was upset. She couldn't sleep. And she's like, how can, how can the, the captain who knows what, he, he has radar for the weather and they have a navigational. Why do, why do they sail us right into the middle of this storm? And she was irate. She was totally convinced that she was going to talk to the captain and ask, why have you done this? And she actually starts to, to, to call. She wants to call and complain. Why are you doing this? Why are we in the middle of this storm? Of course, she couldn't get through, but eventually a message was sent back to her from the captain. And the message said this, lady, go to sleep. Because this ship was built to go through this storm. And it's a great reminder that we get panicked because the waves and the wind, wait, wait a minute, relax. Yes, we're to be watchful. Yes, we're to be vigilant, but we trust and we rest ultimately in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, which brings us to our third and final point. Number three, rejoice that God's grace gives us victory over the enemy. We rejoice in this. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory. Look at these words. We'll restore, we'll confirm, we'll strengthen and establish you. These are words that have victory all over it. Victory in Christ awaits, regardless of how dangerous it may be or how destructive the enemy is. Matter of fact, there's so much peace that Peter concludes his entire message with this tone. Listen to these words. Greet one another with the kiss of love. He says, peace to all of you who are in Christ. Wait, wait a minute. We're engaged in battle here and it's really difficult and it's dangerous and it's hard and it's scary. And he's talking about hugging one another and kissing one another and loving on and caring for and being at peace and extending grace. Yeah, it's almost like Peter knows something that we too often forget that we're in this thing together. 
inevitably the people that Peter is writing this book, okay, they have, they have been scattered and they have suffered. There's no doubts. It's going to be hard. But in this, not only do we have the word of God and the spirit of God, but we have the people of God's. And we need to respond in this way, looking out for and extending grace. We could probably hold off on the holy kissing part in our particular culture. But I think you get the idea that we're supposed to care for, that we are to extend grace and peace, and we do battle together in the name and only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I love the truth of Scripture. Every time every time that Satan attempted to... to, to uh, tempt Jesus, Jesus responded with scripture. And I think about these wonderful verses that are given to us, a guy who has certainly struggled with fear in the past and on occasion. I remember as a kid having to check the fires late at night at camp up in Canada and there's wolves and bears and boogie monsters and all kinds of things. And I remember singing with the worst squeaky voice in the entire world from Psalm 27. I don't think it's a song, but I created a song. The Lord is my strength and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light. In whom shall I be afraid? I remember my dad put above my bed, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, and I slept every night under that. Take comfort, little child. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Paul says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord that you know you are not living and working in vain. We have the promises of scripture to do battle with. We have the armor of God and we have the hope knowing that because of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is well with our soul. And I am really late. Sorry about that. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you and we praise your name that ultimately you have declared victory already. We just pray, Lord, that you would cover each one of us, cover this entire church with the shed blood of Jesus, uh, guard us and give us strength as we do battle so that we live in a way that brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus. In your name we ask, amen.